0: Welcome to Delightful Discussions. We are your hosts, Maddie and Steph. We are two women bringing you wholesome content to accompany you as you go about your day. Today, we're finishing up our series on temperament personality types by discussing the melancholic type, and it will be delightful. So we have Stephanie here, who is melancholic, and then we also have our friend John, who is melancholic, um, representing the male side of melancholy. Welcome, John.
1: I'm <laughs> delighted to be here.
0: Love it. He gets it already. He yeah. gets it. He did his homework.
1: We, are- I try. we try. We do a little homework. We have a good time. We have delightful discussions.
0: Yes. So I think you probably know, John, we start out with life updates. Um, and I know that you have one. Would you like to share yours or do you want me to go first?
1: I will defer to you ladies first and I will go last.
0: Okay, that sounds good. So my life update, since we've been talking about the Wind in the Willows story is that I finally watched Wind in the Willows over the weekend. And it was, how do we describe it? It was the cartoon full length version. I guess you can find it on YouTube.
1: So not the Disney version and not yeah. the, the version the live action with all the, the not Monopoly- creepy. Python pathway with the, the furry ears and the
0: <laughs> Yes, not the creepy live action one, but the um, cartoon, but not Disney And it was delightful to say the least. I was giggling the whole time. I was like, I felt like a little kid again. I don't know why. It just like tickled me so much. And all of the temperaments made sense. I think I understand melancholic a little bit better after watching it. And I don't know. It was just, I don't know why I delayed it for so long, but It was so good.
1: It's a great story. It truly is just universal. The themes, uh, it's very whimsical. The characters themselves embody the temperaments perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, I intend on reading the entire book to my son when he's born at the end of this month um, Mm -hmm. during during his first days of life. And I'm literally counting down the days for that.
0: That's exciting. That's so exciting.
1: Where's the awe button, right? Aww. Aww.
0: Yeah, we need that one. We do. We are the awe button. <laughs> exactly. An awe choir, if you will.
1: We have that power.
0: The only thing I will say is that I kind of feel bad for sanguine people and Toad. Like, he is unhinged. He is cannot be contained.
1: Toad, just, he's a, a ball of energy bouncing off the walls literally sometimes, the Mm -hmm. manias, the carriage, the motor cars. He already chucked off the boats. And if you watch the Disney version, spoiler alert, it's an airplane at the end. They kind of altered that a little bit, but he doesn't learn his lesson. In the Disney version, he was not an altered toad, which I don't like that, but Mm. amazing content.
0: I would say he was only a slightly altered toad, even in the other one that we watched. I
1: think that's fair.
0: That's true. I think it's very fair. That's true. That's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. How much can you alter your temperament? Toadiness. <laughs> I, I especially loved at the end, so I'm choleric and that's Badger, and at the end badger is having toad he like asks him to write a list of all the people he wants to invite to this party and toad just turns around and is like list of people here's a list of all the entertainment that i want (laughs) (laughs) this is a normal interaction between cameron and i because he's sanguine and i'm choleric Hmm. and then again at the end (laughs) somewhere at the end it was like And then Badger made Toad write everyone thank you cards or send them gifts. Like, that is exactly something that I would do. It fits. (laughs) Manners. Manners are important. Yeah. So I hear that we'll have to have John on the podcast sometime to talk about manners.
1: Oh, I'd be delighted for that. I could, I mean, how much time do we have? I could talk for four hours about that, probably. (laughs) Get Jacob in here. He'll be doing his tigger bounce. (laughs) We'll trade off. It'll be great.
0: It'll be a long form. Stay tuned we'll set it up after our rebrand which we'll talk about later
1: Ooh, yes excited for that
0: yes did kenneth graham write the wind in the willows with the temperaments in mind or the characters just formulated the temperaments like which came first does anybody know
1: i do not know i'd be interested in knowing the answer to that um I imagine it's probably just natural, though, Mm. right? He wrote it as as kind of children's literature, and sure, just like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I would say
0: I don't know, but to me, since there's four main characters and there's four temperament types, and they all match, that that tells me maybe it was on purpose. I I, I agree.
1: I'm gonna ponder this orb heavily now. I gotta know the answer to this. This is
0: why we need a podcast producer, Cameron, to be on the other side of the glass, the soundproof glass, looking things up for us and then typing us messages. He would be an amazing producer. He knows the internet so well. True. That is so true. His... One of his greatest qualities is his ability to find literally any information on the internet.
1: (laughs) We need to make it happen.
0: That's what he does for his job. He just finds information on the interwebs.
1: I'm going to stay on the lookout for that.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Cameron, if you're listening, think about it. Yeah. (laughs) We cannot pay you anything. Put <laughs> that out there. There are no health benefits. Uh, but you can put this on your resume.
1: I will true. pay you in one hug.
0: <laughs> per that podcast you did not episode. ask for. Yeah. <laughs> in true one. melancholic fashion. <laughs> Any more than that is a conflict of interest. <laughs> okay. John, what's your life update?
1: Sounds great. My life update. I was walking with my one-year-old son... Last mm-hmm. Sunday evening, he was bopping along in his stroller at twilight, and he pointed up to the sky and identified the moon for the very first time. It kind of sounded like this. He, you can't see me pointing, but I'm pointing up, and he said, <laughs> moon, moon, and he did it for the next like three minutes or so. He kept just pointing up at the moon and saying moon. And it, it brought a little twinkle to my melancholic heart to, to just see him identify the moon uh, for the first time. Really made my night. Um, as a melancholic, you know, it's, it's romantic. He, he identified nature, sure. and I saw him do that for the first time, and uh, it warmed my heart for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, it's just amazing getting to see him grow. Very wholesome, and I just love being a dad.
0: Oh! <laughs> hit the on button again. Uh. <laughs> How did he know that it was called the moon? Have you guys pointed it out to him before, or tried to show it to him?
1: Yeah, I try to point out the sun and the moon, and he has uh, some books. You know, we can uh, we can point at. Um, he he loves Good Night Moon, uh, the bedtime story. Um, so you know, we just point stuff out to him, and you know, kind of finally put two and two together. I think, and just identified it by himself
0: parenthood childhood life it's so touching
1: it comes <laughs> it comes at you so fast and you just I try to live in the moment and appreciate every moment of it mm. so
0: good night moon is such a classic that was going to be my follow-up question have you read good night moon I mean so good right
1: It's survived and been popular for all these decades it truly is a classic
0: yes I don't think I ever really was a good night moon baby
1: what was what was your go-to
0: Um, I, the only book I can distinctly remember from when I was a kid, it was called Max the Minnow. Okay. And it was like a story about a fish, but the book had big googly eyes. So every time you would like, um, turn the page, the googly eyes would be on a new fish or like some sort (laughs) of undersea animal. And... My, I remember my mom telling me that I had memorized the entire book. I didn't know how to read yet, but I mm. could recite the whole thing because I made them read it to me so many times. Your mm.
1: go-to Max yes. the Minnow. Yes, I'm a big fish guy. It sounds like a cool, mm-hmm. sounds like a cool book. I'm gonna have to look that one up.
0: Yeah, Max. The, Minnow. the only problem is it does not fit well on bookshelves because it has giant googly eyes. So it's not like you can... Like, it's not
1: going to be flush with the next no. book in.
0: No, it will literally mess up your entire bookshelf aesthetic. Oh gosh. I got it for someone for their baby shower one time, and I thought to myself, this is just going to ruin your whole bookshelf, but it's <laughs> worth it. More of a table side book. Yes. If you will. More abstract. Sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why it was never in your bookshelf. It was always on your nightstand. Convenient so true so analytical of you as a melancholic
1: yeah, your folks can't put this on the bookshelf we're just gonna leave it on the table no wonder <laughs> she wants to read it so much yeah. <laughs> I, wanna... yeah. I can just see it
0: yeah children's literature though classic just thinking about you know i think there's one like the very hungry caterpillar or yeah,
1: eric carl right
0: yeah the giving tree that was like more a little bit more advanced but you know cameron was looking for hop on pop pop on Hop on pop, yeah. Hop on pop, yeah. Mm-hmm. Doctor Seuss. Doctor Seuss. Yeah. We um, do uh,
1: where the wild things are. With that's with a good one. Sometimes that's yeah. a good
0: one. Yeah. Yeah. So many I choices. Nostalgic. All right. So should we move on to melancholic? Yes. Description. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna do my basic spiel about the temperament types. If you wanna know more information, go back to our sanguine episode which I believe is episode three. Episode three was sanguine, and that's where we talked about the temperaments more in detail. But they were started back um, in olden days with a Greek physician named Hippocrates, and they're still used in psychology today. And there's four temperament types, and they're linked to the Myers-Briggs personality types. So if you've ever done Myers-Briggs, you get traditionally four numbers, or four letters, and now I think they add an extra one on the end, but those four letters would represent the four temperament types, from my understanding. Um, The temperament quiz that we did was temperamentquiz.com. So go take the quiz, tell us, comment on our Instagram, tell us what your temperament is, tell your friends. It's just plain fun. So, I'm looking at this outline. I didn't change the name to melancholic. But I changed all the info. That's okay.
1: I knew the spirit of what you were trying to convey. We're good.
0: Choleric misstep. (laughs) Anyway. So, melancholics are our earth elements. So, sanguine was air, phlegmatic was water, choleric was fire, and melancholic are earth. So, they're heavy and deep and maybe difficult to penetrate is what I've looked up they can be sensitive in good and bad ways they can be artistic romantic attentive to detail Um, they tend to be more quiet or more introverted and if you're a seinfeld enjoyer we like to say that they like to ponder the orb
1: so true queen
0: (laughs) i'll leave you to figure that out Um, some of the good things about melancholics they um, have perseverance they can be very loyal and thoughtful. They have noble aspirations. They're very creative, which goes along with the artistic, romantic side, I would say. Um, They can be analytical, goal-oriented, and self-motivated. Some of the more challenging things for melancholics could be they maybe worry about the past, or are very nostalgic in good or bad ways. Um, They could be perfectionist, a little self-critical, along with that pessimistic, high-stress, they can be possessive, reserved, or maybe dissatisfied with things more easily than some other people. So for reference, our characters for Melancholic would be Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, um, Rat or Ratty from Wind in the Willows. I thought about George Bailey because that's one we've talked about before. I think George Bailey from... What is that movie? It's a
1: Wonderful Life. Yes, it's a Wonderful Life. That's a good one. Yeah.
0: I almost said Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Thirty Fourth Street, and then I was like, wait a second, that's other old timey Christmas movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So George Bailey, or I also was looking on the internet for other character ideas, and it said the old man from Up. If you think about it, he's really sentimental. They have like the adventure book he has with his wife, and Mm -hmm. they have their paint handprints on the. on their mailbox and right. yeah, he ponders. I thought that was a really cute one. It's a good one. Do you guys have any other characters that you know of? Steph? I I was thinking more of the I was looking at Saints probably because there are some catholic uh undertones to the temperaments or there's a lot of tangent lines and I Put down Padre Pio and Therese of Lisieux, who is my girl. It's my girl. I don't know either of those people. But they kept listing men. And I was like, can we just talk about some women here? What about you?
1: All all for uh, equal representation in the temperaments. Um, One that I thought of, uh, another uh, literature character, Quentin Compson. Um, So the... Uh, if you read William Faulkner's novel, he's one of the protagonists in The Sound and the Fury, um, as well as Absalom, Absalom. He uh, embodies a lot of this, really, as well. Ooh. I could talk a long time about that, but we are just, you know, I'll, I'm along for the ride for right now, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. When we looked at the, um, the characters from Wind in the Willows, is Ratty wearing, he looks like he's wearing a karate uniform or something like that. Is that accurate or no? I,
1: I do not remember that from the book at all. But I was sitting here with Stephanie. You were fixing us our refreshment, I think, mm-hmm. before we started recording. And we were talking about the two sets of woodland plush uh, cottage core <laughs> mascots that I want to order for the two of you. And I, too, noticed that. I was like, I really like this first set, but why is Ratty wearing, like, a karate uniform? I mean, he writes poetry and he lives down by the river and goes out on his boat. He's not a black belt. I don't know what's going on here, but I still like this set better, I think.
0: He's a black belt in pondering and analysis and introspection.
1: <laughs> this, this is very true. I actually have a pretty good uh, passage where he describes his life that I think kind of uh, fits into that very nicely. Is yeah. right if I read it? I want to hear it. All right. So this is uh, the very first chapter of the book. So Ratty has just met Mole, um, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Molly for the first time. <laughs> And Rat has taken it upon himself to take Mole under his wing and teach him the ways of the river, so to speak. (laughs) Um, So Mole says to Rat, you must think me very rude, but all this is so new to me. So this is a river. He didn't know what a river was because he lives in a hole. He's a mole. The river, corrected the Rat. And you really live by the river? What a jolly life. By it and with it and on it and in it, said the Rat. It's brother and sister to me, and ants and company, and food and drink, and naturally washing. It's my world, and I don't want any other. What it hasn't got is not worth having, and what it doesn't know is not worth knowing. Lord, the times we've had together, whether in winter or summer, spring or autumn, it's always got its fun and its excitements. When the floods are on in February, and my cellars and basement are brimming with drink that's no good to me, and the brown water runs by my best bedroom window, where again when it all drops away and shows patches of mud that smells like plum cake. And the rushes and weeds clog the channels, and I can potter about dry shot over most of the bed of it and find fresh food to eat, and things careless people have dropped out of the boats. And then Mole goes on to, to basically ask him, isn't, isn't it dull? And he continues to, to speak to Mole, basically in poetic rhyme about his home and how mm-hmm. he very much uh, lives day to day and is very conscious about um, really seizing the moment and leaving uh, se- season to season, so to speak. And I just love that passage. Um, it kind of uh, shows Ratty's sensitivity, how he loves his life, Um, also kind of his, uh, romanticism and how he, he lives his life. He's very in tune with the seasons and how the river contributes to the, uh, each and every season to him, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I love it. I will say, I don't know if this is where I'm not supposed to pick a favorite, but I think melancholics are my favorite. And I have, I mean, it also might be because I have the 25% melancholic. So I'm 75% oh, okay. choleric and 25% melancholic. So I can kind of understand. Keep yeah. Yeah, you guys are my favorite melancholic people. <laughs> That's so flattering. That is so flattering, yes.
1: Air high five. Yeah, yes. air high
0: five, clapping, like, just so exciting. That's if slow. I knew for sure that I could select one of yeah. these buttons and it would be the collapse, I would do true, it. <laughs> true, true, <laughs> We're, We're working on it. I'm clapping for myself in my heart. <laughs> we need some labels. I'll work on that. So tell me what you guys love about being col- uh, melancholic, not choleric. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. So one of the things that I found in researching melancholics because i know myself but sometimes it's hard for me to describe is that we have what would be called in air quotes mood extremes and in some ways that could be seen as a negative however i see that as a positive we have a strong sense of elation and energy which can quickly be replaced by gloom if something negative happens. But we're kind of on this roller coaster of emotion. And again, I've always thought of that as a negative thing until somebody told me that was one of their favorite parts about me mm-hmm. is that I feel my emotions very strongly. My mother tells me that, <laughs> which isn't my favorite. <laughs> because, you know, when your mom points out something about you, it's like, <laughs> but. You just feel your emotions really deeply. And because we are analytical and we are deep thinkers, we think a lot about our feelings and our emotions. And sometimes I get upset with how analytical I am. And other times I think it's one of my greatest strengths because I'm continually thinking about things, pondering things, pondering people, situations. I think John and I both like to help people. um, And so that helps... Helps you to be a better person. You're kind of reading the room. You're reading different people. You're trying to um, interact in a way that is jovial and fun. And if you're analytical, you can pick up on those things. What do you think? Well
1: said. Well said. (laughs) Um, It's definitely thoughtfulness for me, really. Um, We live in a society where just everything is so go, go, go. You know, that uh, Jen Fullwire or grind set mentality, just, you know, onto the next thing. And I know she's saying it, you know, to be funny, of course. But um, whereas, you know, you're melancholic, we're very thoughtful people. I'm a big cost benefit analysis guy, really. I like to sit and think about things. I joke with my wife sometimes, and I say the world's problems can be solved just mowing the lawn because you just, you push your lawnmower around and you think about things. Mm -hmm. and I'm you know busting my back sometimes pulling weeds but I don't mind it so much just because it gives me time to think about things and I like to think um another one that stands out to me a little bit um Noble Aspirations as well and I think that really just kind of ties into um I, maybe my worldview, I guess you could say, or even my kind of career path. Um, I'm a, an attorney just you know for the listeners. So you know I'm, a, I'm an officer of our, our court system, really. I believe in the justice system. I believe in the, the rule of law. Um, and I mean it translates down into you know what I think about you know music, um, architecture, really. Mm-hmm. Um, noble aspirations. You know, I want stuff to be beautiful. I want to bring joy to people's lives. I want the world around me to, to be beautiful and for others to, to experience joy, really. And the, the noble aspirations and kind of thoughtfulness, they tie very closely to me, um,
0: really mm-hmm. about
1: how I just think about things, really, so.
0: Yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about that this week, actually, because when we did the Choleric episode, we talked about how I, as a Choleric, do everything with a purpose. And I'm thinking about it more now. Maybe that's a more melancholic trait than a choleric trait. Do you guys feel like, since you're so analytical and thoughtful and thinking about things, that you try to have a purpose with everything you do? Or no? Um, I was thinking about that when you were talking about it as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if that's just something both temperaments could embody. Maybe. And... I do, I just resonate so much with what John said. Like, I might not pull weeds or mow the lawn, but I could run at the same pace and just think and process and just do monotonous things because I'm I'm up here mm-hmm. in my head thinking about a thousand other different things, not mm-hmm. that my feet are touching the ground or that I'm outside or... <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, but... I think, to a certain extent, I do want purpose. I am purpose driven, and everything has to have a purpose. But I don't think it's. I I wonder about these perfectionistic tendencies because, in some ways, I see myself as a perfectionist, and in other ways, I'm working on that. I think that can be worked on. Um, I will say it's hard to hear the pitfalls of being. A uh, melancholic because, probably because of my perfectionistic tendencies, but I accept them. I accept them. Sorry, I got a little off track with my question, so, yeah.
1: I I, I think the answer is definitely yes. Um, melancholic people tend to be very goal-oriented, mm-hmm. so if True. I'm assigned or, or set a task, really, and I get the impression that it's more so just busy work, really, um... That even doesn't allow me to, to think about stuff, really. Mm-hmm. I have a, a hard time developing buy-in over something like that. So if there's no yeah. purpose kind of for what I'm doing, um, it's not that I'm not going to do it, but you know, maybe I have to find alternative ways to kind of motivate myself to, to get through it, really. Um,
0: sure. Yeah. Trick yourself, <laughs> like we talked about.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But lucky for me, um, melancholics are creative and I can just plug in some music and hopefully distract myself. And
0: yeah, we're also highly efficient and tend to be productive in our careers. And I could say that with quite certainty with John and myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have an observation that's coming to mind that has nothing to do with this question, but <laughs> I would like to say it. it before it leaves my head. I was talking to Cameron and I were having a discussion about something last night, and it was one of those discussions that you have for hours at a time. And you just—we've talked about before that Stephanie and I enjoy that. I we love could this. pick something apart. And he said to me at one point, he was like, "Well, I don't want to split hairs here." And I thought to myself, "No, I do want to split hairs. Like, let's continue splitting hairs for the next hour because that's what I want to do, and I find that fun, and that is just." Maybe that's the mel- melancholic side of me, and that's what Stephanie and I do a lot in our friendship, so I can see that being a very melancholic trait.
1: See, that sounds amazing. big, big hair. Hairs. Yeah, big hair splitter. Um, I would <laughs> This is very nerdy. please I was finishing a Tolkien book a couple weeks ago, and I was looking through the appendixes and they had a genealogy of uh, basically elven descent. And I was trying to explain it to my wife and I'm just going like generation by generation. And after a little while, she very politely, <laughs> she's just, can we just stop, please? <laughs> I don't know. And she's taking Snapchats of me and, you know, sending them to my sister, making fun of me and everything. And I I, I, I love the deep discussions. I love taking the deep dive down the rabbit hole. And I, I'm jealous <laughs> of your time that you got to spend with your husband doing that yesterday. It sounds amazing.
0: Yeah. The only thing that suffered was the you know, number of hours of sleep received afterwards, sure. but sure. I enjoyed it. No. We'll sleep when we're dead, so. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which we will talk about. Uh, I know we will get there. But as somebody who's single and in the dating world, that has become one of the things on my list of looking for in, in people that I enjoy deep conversation and it just, it has to exist in my life. Like if I'm dating somebody and I think they're incapable of deep conversation or we don't get into deep conversation fast enough, or I don't see us like having deep conversation about things, it gets real dicey real fast. Sure. Really dicey, really fast. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, like
1: looks and everything fade with time. If you don't have, you know, some sort of, for a melancholy, intellectual foundation, be able to talk to somebody, it gets, it gets old, quite frankly. So
0: yes, sure. We have to have that intellectual deep, deep, we have to go deep. You heard it here first. Yes. Or I need
1: Jacob Tigger hopping to just you know bring excitement <laughs> to my life, and
0: that's true. Sanguines are fascinating. But sanguines are fascinating to me because they are just happy all the time.
1: I'm married to a sanguine, so can confirm.
0: We're both married to sanguines.
1: <laughs> Let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Sydney, who is less do- she's phlegmatic and melancholic. Her less dominant is melancholic. Is also married courting to a and going to be married to a sanguine. Some so, would
1: say she's spoken for.
0: <laughs> Some Do people still
1: use old-timey <laughs> terms like that? And...
0: Oh, Jacob definitely said that one time. <laughs> I just Epic. said that they're married, and then I was like, wait. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <they're not married." laughs> In their head. Maddie and I had this discussion the other day about engagement and marriage. Well, we will save that for another we time. We were splitting hairs, like, and we go, will not oh, apologize for go. it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can we move on to the next yes. question? So community, since we love community, we love analyzing it, talking about it, learning about it, prioritizing it. How do melancholic temperament people look in community? So you could say, you know, like how maybe, how do you contribute to a community or what would you want us to understand about you and our interactions with you other than you like deep conversation? I'll go first. We like words of affirmation. And I can't say this universally, because obviously there is crossover with the love languages, and we would have to, you know, look into each melancholic's personality. However, I think with the perfectionistic tendencies that I was saying that I don't have, um, they, it blends well into having someone affirm us. And so I think that is an important trait um, for myself personally. We are good friends and we make for good parents. Um, we're loyal. We're very loyal. Uh, so loyal, we are loyal friends that consistently meet or exceed expectations of the people that we care about because we are analyzing and deeply connected to people. If we have deep conversation with you, we're like, okay, well, we're bonded now. So yes, I mean, I'm going to you know, put myself, stick my neck out for you. Just, I get very loyal, very attached, very fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you experienced that, Maddie, but it's like once, you know, we were friends, I was like, okay, yeah, like I am friends with this person, you know, and I just, I form bonds. They might not, I might not have like a huge circle, but the bonds that I have, I feel like are very strong because I am a loyal friend. And I will even, you know, go out of my way to stay, in contact with people, um, maybe not like as our our society doesn't lend itself to that as well as it used to. And, but I think it's an important point about community. Um, and we also put a lot of pressure on ourselves. So from a perfectionistic Mm. standpoint, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to let John answer. Sure. Yes.
1: Okay. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, contributing to community, um, uh, pondering the orb essentially um, is how I like to contribute um, organizations I'm a part of or even charities. Um, so mu- much of, I mean, just anything we do now is just bam, 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 bam. It's important to actually take the time for thoughtfulness and patience and to really think things through. Um, you know, in my former career, I worked uh, in public service up in Washington, D.C., and so much of everything you do up there is just dominated by the news cycle. And one of the reasons I ultimately didn't enjoy that job as much as uh, a lot of other people did, really, is just be because of that, really. There wasn't time for patience or thinking things through for unintended consequences, really. Mm-hmm. And that really ties into, um, as a melancholic. How I like to maybe be treated by others or you know see others you know interact with me really Mm -hmm. Um, having patience and sensitivity to that that you know maybe we're not always the the quickest to shoot from the hip to solve a problem really but you know if you give us the time to really sit down and try to work through a problem or work towards a solution to to whatever you're working on it's much appreciated really Um, that I think that patience and sensitivity is also important in the sense that um, because melancholics take time to work through things, really, sometimes that might come off as like aloofness or uh, even, um, how can I say this? Um, uh, reserved maybe you're you're just being reserved and you know you might look like you're being aloof because of that so maybe just kind of emotional understanding well no you know I very much care what I'm working on but I just have a different way of you know addressing problem solving or critical thinking or you know working on my project so to speak.
0: Yeah Mm -hmm. you want more time to think about it sleep on it ponder it before you answer.
1: Exactly, I mean there's so many times just around the house, you know, my wife will ask me, you know, how can we work on this? How can I do this? And I'll say, you know, just ask me on Monday and it's like Friday and then I'll push the lawn around for an afternoon and, you know, actually think about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I'm not good always at, at giving an answer right away. And there's pros and cons to that, of course, too, because sometimes, you know, you need to be able to take decisive action and I don't want to say I view that as a character flaw of mine, but something I try to be aware of, really. Sometimes you have to make a quick decision. Uh, you know, if the house is on fire, you're not always going to just go and oh, okay, well, is this structural beam going to hold up the longest compared to this one? No, like you got to get your kid and your wife and get the heck out of there. The dog, too. I guess we'll, we'll spare his life as well. But it's uh, <laughs> the <Absolutely. laughs> so pros and cons of, of all of it, really.
0: Sure. That's when you maybe go to your phlegmatic friends like Sydney who are good under pressure. Sydney Absolutely. save us. <laughs> sure. Yes.
1: What do I do, Sydney? <laughs>
0: well I, I just couldn't agree more that the we take time to think about things. I take a long time to think about things that I want to buy. And sometimes I do feel like it's a character flaw when I can't respond quickly, but then I also see it as a positive, because maybe I don't say things I regret as much. Not that I've never said things I don't regret, but I really I'm not as quick on the jump because I want to be well thought out. Mm-hmm. And some people are just really quick witted, and it's just different. Mm-hmm. What are you smiling? Your baby. Um... What was the word? What's the word that you don't like that melancholics are? Perfectionistic? Yes. Hmm. That sounds like you're that sounds like <laughs> describing being perfectionist. You want your answer to be very well thought out. You want it to represent exactly what you think and what yes. you believe and you want it to have the right words and sound correct. Yes.
1: See, that's so interesting because reading through kind of our, our temperament descriptions and I saw a perfectionist on there and I was like, well, that's nuts. I'm such a like glass half empty kind of guy. I'm a little pessimistic, really.
0: Mm-hmm. But then
1: hearing you describe it that way really hits the, the nail on the head. I don't ever want to be misquoted or my uh, um, you know, intent for something I'm trying to communicate to be misconstrued, really. Mm-hmm. So I, I think yeah. you're spot on about that.
0: Sure. Yeah. Can I add one thing to that? Absolutely. So, sometimes when you are... Analytical, and you want to think through things. You have trouble getting to the start of things because you want it to Absolutely. be perfect, and so you just analyze it to death, and then you struggle to get it started because it's not perfect. Perfect, yeah.
1: That's uh, yeah. I'll piggyback on that. That's that's spot on. Um, there's times where pondering the orb becomes a problem, almost, and it's in its situations like that, um, mm-hmm. where you start to think about things almost to the point of being neurotic about it. And sometimes you just have to come to a decision. Okay, break stuff into stages to, uh, and some, that's probably something a choleric would be very good at, you know, taking action. Um, whereas, you know, there's times where I am almost paralyzed by not being able to make a decision or indecision um and i think that's why quentin compson is such a good literature comp for this really um mm. you know he's the only member of his family really in faulkner's writing who's really kind of keen on and uh figuring out you know why is my family screwed up what did we do to to get to this point how do i solve it really but he's neurotic about it and he can't come to a conclusion about it. And so his solution at the end of the day is to just check out and he ends up committing suicide. It's very, very sad. But I mean, he embodies kind of the um, negative traits of melancholic people uh, in the context of literature very well.
0: Sure. So as a community member, what do we do? If we, how can we tell that you're taking it too far and analyzing it too far to the point where it could be really difficult for you and how do we support you do we continue to let you analyze because that's what you do and that's how you work things out and allow you to do that or is there at some point that you would want a community member to step in and help steer you so that you don't get stuck in the rabbit hole what do you want from us
1: yeah i can just speak about myself personally but uh I'm a big deadlines guy, really. Um, I don't like to be micromanaged, really, at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as the work gets done, my bosses tend to be to be fine with that. But um, I had one boss who started getting closer to the deadline, and if there hadn't been any communication back to him, he would come, and he was very good, very uh, emotionally intelligent about this stuff. And, hey, you know, hey, let's just sit down and, talk about how you're working through this really. And I wouldn't be surprised if he knew about all these personality types and kind of just was able to pick up that this is how I worked and kind of maybe being able to see, okay, he might need to be helped along a little bit really here. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, shout out out to my boss.
0: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, So I think you've helped me in a way in the past. Maddie, I tend to. One of the things that's not written down is I tend to be very idealistic. Uh, so I want things to like meet an ideal, and this, like, you know, it has to be an ideal situation, and my life has to look like this, and it has to go in this order, and this is the order that it goes in, and this, is like, This person has to reach out to me first. I don't do the reaching out. Like, I don't do that. Like, that's not ideal, Maddie. That's not what I want. And you kind of help me. And my sister, too. Like, there are so many different ways to do life. And there's other routes. And it doesn't have to start that way. And it doesn't have to be that way. And so, those kinds of people help me out. Help me chill out. Because I get very into, like, it has to be a certain way. And, um... And it has to be ideal. And so that's where I get stuck and I think your community can help you kind of bring you down to size. Sure. Is it something that you feel comfortable asking for? Saying, you know, I'm stuck. I can't I can't discern what the what the right thing to do is. These are my thoughts. Could you help me through it? That's one thing
1: um, I've tried to be cognizant about um, over the past year or so, really since the, the birth of my, my son. I'm sure we're going to talk about how, um, how melancholics grieve and kind of maybe work through things privately, but um, in the sense that I've been trying to become more aware of, okay, don't just keep things bottled up all the time and work through it in your own way. You know, Start to realize when you need to actually ask for help. I don't want to say I'm, I'm perfect at it, but uh, I'm a lot better than I used to be.
0: Sure, yeah. Yeah, I think for me it looks like, you know, I like to present all the things that I've been analyzing and all my bullet points and all the things I've thought through and how I've thought through them. And then it does, as long as you're willing to listen to the way that I've thought it through, and then you can come in with your own comments of like, could you maybe think of it this way? then I'm, I'm good with the help. Ah, so you want listening community members. You want active listeners Absolutely. so that you can describe your well-thought-out point of view.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay,
0: yes. Mm-hmm. So we can be good listeners. We can be prepared to help steer you if you ask for it and mm-hmm. not overstep. And I would say as a community member that... I think for us, we can come to our melancholic friends and ask for help solving a complicated problem when we maybe don't have the tools to work through what we're really feeling about it, what's really happening, what's the pros and the cons, and and work through all those details to solve a complicated issue. I would say that's something you take to a a melancholic person. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? I would love that. I think so. Sure. Sure. I love helping people solve problems and thinking about ways to help. Yeah. You guys are maybe good at being not devil's advocate, but seeing multiple points of view.
1: Yes. I'd say that's, that's Mm -hmm. pretty accurate. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Now the big question, how do Uh you grieve and experience joy as melancholic people?
1: Well, ladies first. Okay,
0: okay. Well, I'm actually probably going to steal a quote from John because I hot take here. Think of all the temperaments. I did think of this question, so a little bias. We grieve the best. Whoa! And I'm interested to hear bold. this. Yeah. <laughs> and I, because I've experienced some grief in the past year um, with you know, friends experiencing loss and death. Um, we, uh, John and I talked about this in just a passing comment about, you know, my friend's loss, that we think about death all the time. And so I, I'm talking about a certain type of grief, I suppose, because you can grieve things like the loss of a job, the loss of a friendship, the loss of something at work or a status or... Um, Any number of things you can grieve, but because I'm thinking not only about situations in life and problems, I'm thinking about life in a grand scale. I think about death. I think about what happens when you die. Like it just, it it blows my mind that people don't think about that or that it doesn't keep them up at night or enter into their thoughts on a daily basis.
1: (laughs) Can I jump in there? Yes, please. I'll, I'll add to 100% accurate. I think about death all the time um, to the point of like existential crisis sometimes too. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe as an aside later, I can tell you about a story when I was a teenager. But um, I also use my constant kind of thinking about death really to, to bring me to joy though as well that, you know, all our days are numbered at the end of the day. And that's why life is worth living too. So it helps you experience joy, really. Um, you know, I know what awaits me at the end of this, you know, stage in the journey. So I need to touch grass. I need to get out and experience nature. I need to make my son belly laugh by giving him raspberries on his tummy. I need to roughhouse with my dog. Just all the stuff that you know brings joy to my life, really. At the end of the day, too. So, you know, death. It's 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 a sad thing, and it's what awaits all of us but it also points us towards the good at the end of the day too ultimately if you let it
0: Mm -hmm. sure yeah Yeah. I agree that it, it because we feel deeply and we're deeply sensitive and sensitive to the needs of others and their feelings it is like the pendulum of joy and death because we are of the Christian faith that the Catholic faith that we Know that this is not the end of... Earthly life is one thing, but there is eternal life, and we believe that, that it does point to the joy of of life as well. Sure. Yeah. I'm realizing as you guys are saying this that you are two of the most spiritual people that I know. So maybe that's a melancholic tendency to be more be more thoughtful about spiritual life and what do I believe and how do I practice it and how do my actions and thoughts reflect that better than some of us.
1: Yeah, I think I can certainly fall under, um, you know, maybe thoughtfulness, Mm -hmm. um, you know, since you do think about things so much, um, uh, Mm -hmm. noble aspirations, really, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not just organic matter walking around the earth. Well, I mean, we are, Mm -hmm. but... You know is there is there more to this really, and maybe melancholic people you know kind of have a way of having those discussions with themselves or others really, so I can sure. certainly see that
0: sure yes mm-hmm. I could sum it up in that we think about death, but that's my personal take on it. <laughs> I'm like, what happens? what happens, and why do people why do people die? How do people die? you know I just I think it's really interesting and this life is just so fragile um so i think it definitely points to a higher power or needing to understand it in a way that you can think about and comprehend and understand
1: sure grief for me too it's it's interesting in the sense that um last fall uh stephanie and i worked together in in ministry as well Um, I mean, last fall, there was a a couple-month period where I was just kind of having a rough go of it. I was just burnt out and just wasn't feeling appreciated at work at the time. Um, You know, my wife was supporting me. She's a a true angel, and I love her so much. But just, you know, sometimes you're just at the end of your rope, really. And I was sitting there, and I was praying with Stephanie, and I just told her, you know, I... I just feel like George Bailey sometimes lately, and that was before I even knew about the temperaments, really, and it's funny how, you know, you you see the parallels, Um, and just, you know, I I grieve like he does in that movie so much, you know, he just trying to, you know, live his life, he had these kind of, like, aspirations for himself, but, you know, ended up in his hometown, married the 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 small town girl and really did have a wonderful life but you see when he goes through the struggles in that movie how he deals with it he keeps it so just bottled up and largely for most of the movie works through it by himself uh in in a a productive way a thoughtful way even though he is keeping it so so bottled up um and and that's grief for me really Mm -hmm. um I just I'm removed when I get sad about things. I don't always want to sit down and and talk to people about it all the time. I want to sit and ponder the orb and work through whatever the problem is, whatever has got me sad and causing me grief really. Um and then eventually, usually 2 to 3 days, I can come out on on the other side of it um in a, in a much better place really. Um you know, thankfully I haven't had the the time in my own life yet where I go home and just blow up at my family when when George snaps at the end of the movie, really. But, you know, I, I remember watching that after my son was born, too. And just, I saw that scene, and I just started tearing up just because, you know, it, it it hits you different when you watch it, when you're married yourself and you have a child yourself. And, you know, you kind of see everyone loves George Bailey, right? You know, he's he's a good guy, and he's trying his best, but you also see, you know... I need to know when to talk to people sometimes too and not let it get to the point where I come in, I I lash out at my kids really. And you know, you need to know when to to talk to others as well. So it's something I try to try to be cognizant about as I grieve now.
0: Sure. Sure. I want to sidestep to another question slash observation that fits with that. Mm -hmm. I, as we've been preparing for this episode and brainstorming about questions I've noticed a theme of the temperament types and what happens when they're not doing well and what their breaking point is. So, for example, when we had Sydney on for phlegmatic, she said that she would bottle things up until they break. And her thought behind that was she always wants to please everyone else. She wants everyone to have a good time. She wants everything to be you know, warm and fun and social, bottle up all the things that aren't those emotions and feelings. And then at some point they will break as a choleric person. um, I think that since we are so high achieving that we overextend ourselves. And for me personally, I will overextend myself and continue to pour myself into something until I completely crash. And that's my breaking point. And I asked Cameron as a sanguine about his and he's described that he will get to his breaking point where he becomes having a lot... He gets to the point where he has a lot of energy. like He's hyperactive and he's talking really fast and he's really worked up about it and sometimes he's pacing and it just comes out with all that energy like the happy hopping but in a really painful energy way. So is there a way that melancholics get to their breaking point and what does that look like is it the same thing as george bailey you know kind of blown up at your family or is it different
1: i mean for for, i think that's certainly one way it could present itself um i personally have never gone down that road and i you know i hope i don't but everyone loses their temper i suppose you know we're, Mm -hmm. we're none of us are perfect um I think the the other way that it can present itself, and you know this is really just for me too, but just a uh, paralyzation of of decision making that presents itself almost in a sort of um, uh, depression, maybe almost. Sure. you know I just I'm so paralyzed by not being able to work through this problem by myself that I'm just gonna lay here on the couch all day, really, and I just don't want to move don't want to interact with anyone really um and th- that has happened to me before um uh not a lot thankfully but i, I think it can certainly mm-hmm. present itself in in that way really
0: sure. mm-hmm. i would agree i would agree that it feels like a paralysis when you get to your breaking point of just you have analyzed it to death but you can't you haven't come up with a good way to go about it, um, mm-hmm. and back to the George Bailey analogy, you know, looking at the glass half half full when it's our our default is half empty,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> it is really yeah. half empty, even if you do have a wonderful life, and then the whole premise of the story is that he realizes what a wonderful life he has, even though it's not perfect, and that's why perfectionistic is listed under the challenging as opposed to. You know this great quality because it the you, there's a quote that says don't make perfect the enemy of the good because you could have very good things but if they're not quote-unquote perfect then it's not good enough it's not ideal
1: and just worrying about the past really mm. you know it's so easy a melancholic we're a glass half empty type of people to look back on you know the failures the times that you didn't uh you know aspire to to conquering the challenge or, you know, climbing the mountain of conflict, so to speak, that Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the paralyzation just sets in, really. And it, it it's sad, but you know we all have our our crosses we bear with our personality types, and you know mm-hmm. half the battle's just just knowing what you're working with really, and then you Agreed. know you rely on loved ones, you know I have the most amazing bride in the world, and you know you help each other become better because you've been entrusted to one another too mm-hmm. and then I've got my wonderful friends here too, and you know I'm so blessed to have you all in my life and uh it truly is a wonderful some would say delightful life for all of
0: us (laughs) so true king let's go so true (laughs) so you're kind of a mix i'm seeing a mix between the phlegmatic bottling it up being introspective about it and the choleric crashing Mm -hmm. that is my secondary
1: um temperament by the Mm -hmm. way so that would seem that would seem to track yeah
0: phlegmatic
1: Uh, phlegmatic phlegmatic. oh phlegmatic
0: Mm mm-hmm Oh, that's right. You guys have different secondary temperaments. Mm -hmm. Stephanie has a secondary choleric side, where John has secondary phlegmatic side. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. Mm -hmm. I wrote down in one of the descriptions of Melancholic from the internet, the interweb, as Maddie says, they don't typically show their anger until it becomes so pent up over time that they reach a breaking point. So, I mean... It has happened very few times, but I think we're good at keeping it in. I think we're really mm-hmm. good at keeping it in, and it is a rare time, like you said, like it hasn't happened for you. But it's not to say that it won't. You just right. you haven't reached the breaking point, and you have to be really angry, really, really pent up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I think for the most part we like to, you know, keep the peace. I like to keep the peace. I like so when
1: people get along. Right? Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So steering back to our other question, towards the end of It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey has a little bit of overwhelming joy. I mean, he's yelling. He's what? Like running through the streets. Yeah. He's jumping. He like runs in the house and picks up his kids and hugs them. And Mary, Mary. Like, <laughs> he, he goes to it. Is wow, that. I love you, Zuzu. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Zuzu, exactly. Zuzu. yeah. You could probably do a great George Bailey. We'd love to. Merry junior. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. That's a right.
1: fantastic actor.
0: Fantastic, yes. So is that how melancholics experience joy? Is that accurate?
1: I, I, I can say I've experienced joy like that before. But uh, speaking from, from personally, um, I tend to experience it more from a, a, a romantic more perspective, really. I find joy in nature. You know, going out and watching my son point at the moon and ID the moon. Mm-hmm. Hearing uh, an orchestra perform live and how music directs me towards the beautiful and the true, really. Maybe that's because I'm, I'm thinking about noble aspirations. That's what the sheet says, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I tend to really experience joy, really. How about you, Stephanie?
0: Well, I would agree that beauty is important and... I experience joy when I'm with my friends. I mean, that's not... I don't know if that's a melancholic trait. I'm just going to say it. Because, you know, there's something about Cameron and Jacob's joy that is just their energy. I just, like, I enjoy observing it. I just have joy. And when they, like, egg you on to sing karaoke, even though you've, like, never sang karaoke and then they're all cheering for you and dancing and like doing videos and it's just it's just fun when someone's like that was incredible and you know it's probably linked to achievement and things of that nature sometimes
1: but. i'm with them and i'm just like i don't know what's going on but i just have a huge smile on my face i don't, yes. <laughs> I don't know what's going on yes. but i just can't stop smiling and-
0: yes. or like just existing in this house sometimes with you and cameron <laughs> has jokes constantly just constant humor it's like i'm just i just got a new haircut and i'm just goofy <laughs> like and it's like what? because it's tuesday like yeah <laughs> i don't is
1: just the silliest goose on he... the loose sometimes <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: in yes. the best
1: way possible
0: yeah i and jacob just when i first met jacob i just couldn't stop laughing he's just so funny to me i don't even know because he's ridiculous. Like he, I, Jacob and I could not be more different in some ways because he's musical, he's stylish, he's, you know, he's, he's funny, he's outgoing, he has thousands of friends, you know, and yeah, I just find him comical. So, um, so that's how, but I would say that I feel joy very intensely. Like it's something I seek. It's something I enjoy. I like sitting in joy, being joyful. I like winning. I like, you know, that's probably, yeah. Um, but so it sounds like you enjoy, exp- enjoy, enjoy experiencing joy and <laughs> feeling it rather than expressing it so much. You have the, the kind of heartwarming joy where hmm. you feel warm and fuzzy inside and you might be smiling and, and, you know, enjoying yourself and enjoying the situation, but you're not maybe as active about it as some of the other temperament types?
1: Yeah I mean I, I you know I'm a I like sports you know most mm-hmm. of us do um, and I'm a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're my NFL franchise. you know arguably the worst professional football franchise next to the Detroit Lions and the Bucks have won two Super Bowls during my lifetime and the most recent one, you know when Tom Brady was our quarterback, The Bucks won the Super Bowl and all I could do was kind of just politely smile and just, you know, I felt joy, (laughs) but I, you know, so many sports fans would be bouncing off the walls and probably go on like a week long bender and (laughs) I, you know, I just, I was, I was happy, but I wasn't uh Tigger bouncing or
0: Mm -hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, It's funny because sometimes that'll lead me down a, a rabbit trail because sometimes I, I get self-conscious of my emotion and so I kind of temper it and I don't like let myself feel too joyful or like like John was alluding to like get too wild because I'm just like that's weird (laughs) don't be weird (laughs) (laughs) well said (laughs) don't be weird (laughs) yeah but it's not to say that like you know many different people can make me laugh and you know Maddie makes me laugh John makes me laugh Rachel makes me laugh Sydney makes me laugh um i it's not just sanguins they're just fascinating to me because they're different than i am but um yeah yeah a heartwarming joy an internal intense joy but maybe not external sure
1: that's yeah that, that describes me pretty well
0: yeah, yeah. i got it <laughs> i got it so we're paying attention to facial expression to see if you guys are experiencing joy Got it? I've
1: got a huge smile for all the listeners.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Splitting hairs right now yeah. is causing joy. Stephanie's <laughs>
1: dancing. Don't be weird, Stephanie.
0: I <laughs> know, that's what. That. I
1: can't ruin your joy. What am I doing?
0: <laughs> We're moving on to the next question, right, man? Sure, let's do it. We only have a few left. One that I truly enjoy. I can't. And now I keep saying enjoy, and it has the word joy in it, and it's weird, but I'm going to do it anyway. A question I appreciate is, how are you vulnerable? Like, what is something that you do that is very vulnerable that you share with others that might not be as vulnerable for someone else? If that makes sense. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? You can go for it. Ladies okay. First. Ladies first. So I like to think that I embrace vulnerability and live vulnerably. Vulnerably? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, Because it's important to me. I know that I've thought a lot about it. I've read about it. It is, I think, how you connect with people in your community is to share vulnerably. And that's why I like deep conversation. But I've told Maddie this, that my least favorite emotion is embarrassment. I hate it. I hate it. I hate feeling embarrassed. I hate it. I just, I can't tell you how painful it is and that is one way that I don't like feeling vulnerable is when I'm embarrassed so like when you would be embarrassed about not saying something the way you want to say it you know that tie into I want to make sure I say this the, the right way that I mean it because if not that would be embarrassing or they might misconstrue and that would be embarrassing for me mm-hmm. to misspeak or to you know do something that is outside of the perfectionistic tendencies, probably. Sure. Um, but, yeah. I don't know if that's a personality trait, but that is something that I definitely struggle with. So I like vulnerability in, in the form of deep conversation. I do not like vulnerability in the form of embarrassment. <laughs> Valid. I like both sides.
1: <laughs> for for me, it's really um, bringing myself to the point of... of feeling compelled to share, really, in those situations where, um, you know, I internalized so much of, you know, maybe grief I'm experiencing or a problem I'm trying to solve. And I've reached the point where, okay, I've got the paralysis of not being able to move past whatever it is that I'm dealing with. And coming to that point of, Opening myself up to communicating with other people about it. Um, You know, I'm married, so usually that's going to be with my my bride, really, and it's it's something I've you know tried to be a lot better about. But that's 100% what it looks like for me. Mm -hmm. I like to solve problems by myself, by not burdening my my wife about it, really. Um, But sometimes, you know, like I said earlier, we've been entrusted to one another, and that's part of what goes into your marriage, you know, being able to put your just head on the shoulder of, of your bride and work through a problem together.
0: Yeah. So getting to the point where you need to ask for help, continuing the analysis and coming to a point and digging you out of your analysis paralysis. Nailed it. Yes. Is where it becomes vulnerable. hmm mm. Got it. Sure. Okay.
1: You should get paid to do this professionally. I just like regurgitate all the, just like, I'm sitting here eating crayons, just spitting all this <laughs> out of you and you, and you synthesize it very well. Thank
0: you. It's part I of her professional that. background, but she is very, quite good at it. Very good. True. It is part of my professional um, training,
1: but. And you just look so calm doing it too. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there. And just, yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. If Fantastic. anyone can't tell, I'm smiling a lot too, because I love splitting hairs. <laughs> We This podcast is about splitting hairs. The melancholic temperament. It is apparent. Yeah. <laughs> so we have one last question um, and then maybe any other thoughts that came up. But for our other melancholic listeners out there that, are, you know, are not maybe not as educated about this or not as introspective, even though they would be by default as melancholic people anyway for our other melancholic listeners and friends what advice would you give them I'll go first Mm -hmm. I alluded to this in the beginning for my fellow melancholic friends out there your emotion is a gift pause for effect And sensitivity in an ever increasingly desensitized world is needed. And John alluded to that because we live in a culture where we don't pay attention to sensitivity anymore. We, especially in like social media, you can just fire off your thoughts and they can be as insensitive as you want But you have a right to say them because you have a platform like Facebook or Instagram. And as a melancholic, we are sensitive to the needs of others. And that's what makes you emotional. I think it's all tied together or maybe vice versa. Because you're emotional, you're sensitive. Because you're sensitive, you're emotional. But either way... When somebody told me that was one of their favorite things about me, it was one of the greatest compliments I could be given because I feel like I'm on this roller coaster all the time, but for somebody who's like phlegmatic or choleric or just like they keep it right here, which is what I appreciate. Oh my gosh. People who can keep it on an even keel, like not get too high, not get too low. Some of my favorite people because I am high and I am low and then I'm back high again and then I'm down here and it is a gift to be able to be sensitive and to to feel your feelings really deeply.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, a, a piece of advice I think worth worth latching on to is with how introverted and, and introspective melancholic people are, um, it's an admirable trait to to embrace that to a certain degree, but also realizing the time that community really is needed we're a social people at the end of the day Mm -hmm. we're not meant to to be alone all the time and have to work through everything just by ourselves so coming to the uh, emotional maturity really to know when it is time to talk to your friends to help solve a problem to talk to your boss at work to help solve a problem you know to, to speak spiritual direction if you're uh Dealing with something maybe religiously, really, um, and not just uh, you know sit in the corner and eat the crayons like I often do while you try to ponder the orb all by yourself.
0: Sure, mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. We love our empathetic, mm-hmm. emotional in good ways and in bad ways, melancholic <laughs> friends. We love it. Mm-hmm. It's kind
1: of you to say because it truly is a, a roller coaster sometimes. And
0: sure, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And you know, I, I resonate with what John said because you know Maddie gives me advice like keep employing this person for help, and it's it's hard for us because we are so in our heads of solving this own problem, our own problems, and getting it done and ach- achieving and checking things off the list and being task oriented that it is difficult to to do sure. um, in a work setting. But, um, yeah, we're, we're, I'm happy that you appreciate melancholic tendencies because, you know, I think sometimes when you you hear, oh, yeah, you're Eeyore, it's like, great. I don't want to be know. Eeyore. I don't want to <laughs> be Eeyore. <laughs> but that's one of Pooh's best friends. It's true. It's a sure? loyal friend. Sure.
1: <laughs> he still gets invited to everything. They keep him around. That's right. He has worth.
0: Yeah. And he's adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His tail. His tail. He's yep. cozy. He has a bow.
1: He's. <laughs> he is very cozy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Really? I, I do like all the analogies that we've drawn today, though. I will, I will say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other closing thoughts?
1: Um, I'm going to be a little sanguine for a second. And I was told that I had to sit pretty still on the couch so we would have good audio. So I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Just got to put your touch on it. <laughs> well, I think that this was really good insight into our melancholic friends. And as we continue this podcast, we will continue to learn more things and keep bringing up the temperaments. And maybe we'll do a yearly revisit. Like, what have we learned about this temperament over the past year? Because Now that we've even started it over four episodes, I think both of us or all of us in our friend group have been noticing it more, like understanding each other a little bit better and understanding what each other needs and can contribute to a community. Which brings me to my next point. We discussed, or I mentioned the rebranding at the beginning of this episode. So Stephanie and I are very excited. Um, Of course, this is our first podcast that we have ever hosted and we're still figuring it out. And we love that journey of figuring it out. And we feel very passionate that we feel very passionate about community and having a close knit group of friends and family and people you can rely on people you interact with. And it's something that we have both prioritized. And so we're going to spend the foreseeable future on this podcast diving into how a community works how you can build a community how you strengthen your community what have we learned what is still hard for us everything you can think of so that we can help everybody else people that are our listeners um figure it out too and make their own communities anything (laughs) to add stephanie Yes, no, this was a lot of fun, and if you enjoy our podcast, we just want to continue to go deeper into community life and share what we have learned and are continuing to learn about community and create a, a more focused um, approach to to what we speak about for our audience, which is you, the listener. Yeah. Um, so It really spoke to my melancholic heart though when you said we were like analyzing the temperaments over the year because literally I could think about it all the time.
1: (laughs) Pretty on brand.
0: Pretty on brand, Maddie. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So we'll be taking a short break to regroup and do some studies and pondering and, you know, organize all of our thoughts. And then we're going to hit you with all of our community experiences and knowledge. And it's going to be delightful.